0: Sometimes in life we just suffer. Sometimes it's from being totally withdrawn. Or so much stress that we are totally anxious. Or so tired that we are totally burnt out. But our current position is not our final destination. No, indeed. There's hope So whether it's your personal life Your career Your relationship Your business Or your job We say There's reason to believe again And we present From Andy's personal development The Breakout Room. It's the place For health Happiness the prosperity. Stay tuned for more. Our next guest in the breakout is Brendan Kumarasamy. He is the founder of MasterTalk, a YouTube channel. He says, I started to help the world master the art of public speaking. This is our guest. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become the top 1% of communicators in their industry. This is Master Tony. So, let's welcome this innovative coach and developer, Brendan Kumarasan. Live in the breakout. I'm just making sure that we are live on Facebook and that seems to be setting up pretty good right okay great so we have brendan kumarasamy or is it kumarasamy yeah i got it great Uh, live in the break room on andy's personal development this guy is responsible for master talk it's a youtube channel and it's supposed to help the world master the art of public speaking So before we get into that, Brendan, tell me a bit about yourself, where were you born, um, how you grew up, and so on. Just in a minute or two, just introduce yourself from that level of birth to
1: basically where you are now. For sure, Andy. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. for
0: coming, my friend.
1: Of course, my friend. It's my pleasure. So for me, the story started when I was in Montreal. That's where I'm born and raised in Canada. And for those who don't know, Montreal is a city where you need to know how to speak French which is a language I didn't know. So my parents were factory workers, not anymore, because they're retired now. But when they were raising me as a child, they said, you need to study in French, Brent, if you want to learn the language. So my whole life, Andy, I studied in a French education system. And then later, when I got to college, I studied in accounting, funny enough, in business school. And during my time there, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports but for nerds. Mm-hmm. So while other guys, my age were playing basketball or rugby or soccer. I wasn't one of those guys. Okay. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak, got older, coached all the people how to speak. That's where the idea for the YouTube channel came from.
0: Okay, great. So it was a natural kind of transition for you, uh, straight from high school, college and stuff into what you're doing now there was no break in between where you tried something and "Mm, maybe that's not what i want to do it was like an early discovery for you and then you 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 nurtured and you upgraded yourself and you're on the platform now great that's wonderful how did the idea come to you to name it master Talk? where did that inspiration come from
1: absolutely andy and honestly a lot of it was an accident (sighs)
0: so
1: So the the previous comment you made is right, yeah. because I found my discovery really early in life, but there's a couple of setbacks I had, because initially I wanted to become an accountant, right? Uh That's why I did those case competitions. And then I had a career at IBM as a technology consultant. right? That's what I did for two years. And then I did MasterTalk full-time. So there's still a little bit of a bumpy road in the middle, but what I would say is in my last semester of college, I had probably coached 60 people. Oh. On how to speak yeah. for free. I didn't even know it was a business. I didn't know you could charge people for coaching. I just loved doing it, yeah. and I wanted my teams to win. Okay. And the way that MasterTalk came to me is one of the 60 students I had coached just asked me the question that changed my life, mm-hmm. which was, "Brendan, how did you learn how to speak?" Yeah. And that's when he said, "Hey, people make videos on this," and I started watching the YouTube videos that were already existing. Yeah. yeah right. And I was thinking, my God, these videos are really bad. So I started making videos. And then the, the name Master Talk came from one of my friends. We made a spreadsheet of 500 names, and Master Talk was one of them.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. That's a, a bit of an inspirational story there. So tell us some of the things that you believe from your experience and from the people that you have coached that are the basic challenges for people not being able to speak masterful
1: for sure andy you know a lot of people think it's fear uh-huh that fear is the biggest challenge and i disagree right and i'll tell you why uh-huh. the reason i disagree is because everything that we've accomplished in our life whether it was getting married having kids asking somebody on a date starting a podcast going to college yeah. getting our first job mm-hmm. all of our accomplishments have some fear attached to it okay So the goal is not to remove the fear but rather make sure is our motivation greater than the fear that it's associated with Mm -hmm. that's how we get the job done so for me the biggest challenge is consistency and structure if you want to lose weight you eat less food you exercise more Mm -hmm. and then you put yourself on a scale and seven days later you go i lost two pounds and that gives you momentum what do those two pounds look like in communication Right. So for me, it's step number one, which is the random word exercise. Pick a word like light bulb, like home, like flashlight, like chair, crazy words, and just create a presentation out of thin air for 60 seconds. And yeah. this serves two purposes. One, it helps you deal with uncertainty because life is filled with the yeah. And the second piece is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So do that a few times a day.
0: Right. I get that. So let's look at it from this perspective. Uh, Someone considers themselves to be an introvert. They're very shy, uh, not socially inclined. They have many challenges just even speaking. What are some of the things that you would say to them that would help them come out of that box? Because maybe, just maybe, based on what they want to do in life, you know, their career choices, their present position. They need to be able to communicate, to speak, to do presentations. But there is that challenge of not feeling that confidence because of the introspection. What are some of the things that you would say to help them get out of that mold? I mean, like, step by step
1: until it changes entirely for them. Absolutely, Andy. You know, I always spin that question. I always like to use this opportunity to talk about why introverts are better communicators than extroverts. And there's three main reasons. Uh The first one is they're better listeners. So because they speak less on average, Andy, they're very good at listening to the needs and wants of their audience. Mm -hmm. Whereas extroverts like me, I'm talking all the time. That's why I'm a great guest, but I'm a terrible host, right? Like I would never host a show because I don't want to listen to people for too long. I like talking. All right. So what happens is it makes it much harder for me to adapt my message to the people around me. So that's one piece. The second piece is the pause. Pausing is the most important skill in communication, Andy, because it helps you take a beat and emphasize the key points of your message.
2: Right.
1: In introverts, it comes really easy to them because they speak less on average. If they don't talk a lot, it's mm-hmm. really easy for them to pause. Okay. Whereas me, when I'm at a party, when I'm at a bar, when I'm at an event, and there's a pause i immediately want to fill it up hey andy what's your favorite color right so i'm always filling up space right. so pausing took me a long time to get right and then finally number three is you're more accessible when you're an extrovert like gary vaynerchuk the CEO vayner media mm-hmm. you either love the guy or you don't so i really love the guy i love respect his work but then there's other people who go oh my god this guy's swearing all the time he's crazy i don't want my kids near gary v but nobody says that about Brene Brown. Right. Nobody says, I hate Brene Brown. Because if you say that, the FBI is gonna come after you and put you in jail. And that's the point, understand your strengths.
0: Right, great, wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. I'm looking at another scenario and someone is already involved in public speaking. And so they're trying to put together a presentation and it's the first time they're going to speak to a bunch of foreigners. What are some of the guidelines? Let me give you a practical example. Uh, they are coming out of North America, but they are having to speak to people in the Japanese community, for example. I just trying to keep it real a little bit. What are some of the pointers that they can take to ensure that they really connect
1: with these people, taking into consideration the cultural barriers and so on? Absolutely, Andy. So what I'll say is that won't happen a lot, Yeah. where, where you're speaking to a specific community that is foreign. Even uh-huh. in my eight-year career, I might have done that once or twice, right. maybe, maybe once or twice. So, so it's a good thing that it doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. If we use your example, the Japanese community, here's what I would do. I would find somebody that I know in my network who is Japanese. So somebody who understands both your culture and theirs. And have them give you examples that you can use in your presentation to resonate more with that community. Okay. So one example in Japanese culture is you're not allowed to tip. It's actually considered very rude to tip at a restaurant, which is really fascinating. You never would think, like, why would people not want more money? Uh, so, so it's really interesting. So, just watching those videos and using one of those examples in relation to your topic is how you can relate to them more effectively.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. Is there a possibility of a memoir, a book, a manual or something coming out of the work that you're currently doing?
1: Yes, I do plan on writing a book, Andy, but I'm holding my breath on it. I'll probably write it in my 30s, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, fair enough, cool. Tell us something. Basically, in terms of uh, mass talk, what are some of the challenges that people tell you that they face? in terms of being able to produce a master speech.
1: Absolutely, I, I think the biggest one is finding time to practice, Andy, because oh. if you don't put in the time, uh-huh. it's really difficult. So here's a strategy that I've used to, you still practice, yeah. but there's a way to do this faster. Okay. I call it jigsaw puzzle. Right. You know those toy puzzles you to as kids, there's like a thousand pieces in the box and you put them together. So the question now is when we work on a jigsaw puzzle Andy, and you might know the answer to the question which pieces do you start with first right so when you work on a jigsaw puzzle which pieces do you start with first and the answer is the corners yeah yeah you're right that's right that's right right because you could take those edges you put them on this outline you work your way into the middle so why am i breaking this up because in communication and presentations, we do the opposite, unfortunately. We start the middle. We shove a bunch of content in our presentation. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, thanks. Not the right way to approach it. Yeah. So instead, what you want to do is practice your presentation like a jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. Start with the edges first do your introduction 10 15 times yeah because it only takes two minutes to do it once this will take you 30 minutes yeah. same thing with the conclusion what's a great movie with a terrible ending last time i checked terrible movie same thing for the close then work your way into the middle
0: mm-hmm. okay great so thanks for sharing brendan i'm looking at two factors here um in terms of someone being able to properly poise themselves um, there are two things that people struggle with. Sometimes I've seen it myself. I've experienced it myself from time to time. One, you are intimidated by the audience. So you go out there with a brief posture, but when you look at the audience and you feel the energy that's coming back to you, it's like all the oxygen in the room is sucked up and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not really prepared for this. How do you maintain confidence when you're overwhelmed by what you see or feel in the audience and you're thinking, I'm not sure if I'm ready to deliver? How do you deal with that?
1: For sure, Andy. For me, it's a simple idea from Dan Henry, which is competence leads to confidence. Right. And what that means is when you Focus on the random word exercise, it's mm-hmm. about doing it a hundred times. Because okay. a lot of people will listen to the random word exercise. They'll go, Oh, you know, Andy, Brendan brought out a great tip here. Pick a word like shelf or a book or word." But yeah. the problem is, people don't do it. And the reason why this is so effective is if you do this a hundred times, which doesn't take a long time, by the way, mm-hmm. and you go back to your presentation that you have time to prepare for that you're already an expert in and that you know who the audience is, that presentation becomes a joke, Andy. Because the random word exercise could literally be about anything. Hey, uh, do a presentation on grass. You're like, I don't know anything about grass. And then you have to do it. So that's really what I would encourage people to do is when you do the random word exercise so many times, it creates confidence in the way that you create and disseminate ideas. So that's what I would focus on. And that builds confidence up over time. And I'll give you another quick one. Sure. me guessing on a podcast, uh-huh. I sucked at this. The reason I'm good at it now is because I've done it 500 times, yeah. not because I'm amazing, not because I'm special, because I just did it so many times until I just knew an answer to everything related to communication. All right,
0: great. All right, Brendan, I'm going to spin something your way, and it, it may be uh, challenging, not controversial, but challenging. Here's the thing. I was listening to John Maxwell yesterday, and he was saying anytime you as a speaker or presenter, you get intimidated by the audience. The audience is not bad. But what you've got to consider is how you're going to connect beyond what your expectation is and beyond what their expectations are. And he said one of the things that he does is if he's going to speak to a bunch of people for the first time, he gets to the arena early and he goes and he sits in the actual audience to see if he can get some vibes (laughs) as to what the people really need to hear from him. And he takes his kudos from that. It's always about what they need to hear and not about focusing on him and the presentation. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, look, John Maxwell's way more successful than I am, Andy. So let's start there. If yeah. if that's what he wants to do, I think that really helps. Okay. But if, if that helps him. But you know, for me, when it comes to tips in general, and by the way, you can ask me anything. Nothing's challenging for me. Just ask me anything. True. And and I'll and I'll figure out a way to, to get out of it. But but for me, the game has always been what makes sense for most people. Yeah. So let's say in John Maxwell's case, right, sitting in the audience's room, he is keynoting a lot. So he has a lot of success in his career already. But most of us listening to this podcast, we have trouble getting one speaking engagement. We have trouble even getting on one podcast. So that tip might not necessarily apply because we won't find ourselves in that scenario. Like in an auditorium, most of the times if we're doing that, we're sitting in a classroom or in a boardroom. What are you going to do? Sit there and then look at the audience? Like it doesn't really apply for us. So, so I think the tip is really figure out what to prioritize, which brings me to exercise number two. So we talked about the random word exercise, yeah. so I won't harp on it too much. I've said it 10 times, like, okay, we got it, Brenda. What's the next one? The next one is called the question drill, Andy, where life asks us questions that we're not prepared for. Mm-hmm. And life in the boardroom, at our jobs, in our businesses, on a sales call, on a podcast, life asks us a ton of questions that we're not prepared for i'll give you an example Mm -hmm. when i started guesting on podcasts i remember some guy asked me brendan where does the fear of communication come from (laughs) and i looked at the guy and i was like dude i don't know man san francisco london new york you tell me But i had no idea so how did i fix this because i didn't know the answer every single day Andy. every single day for five minutes i answered one question that i thought the world would ask me about my expertise so day one was what tips do you have for introverts day two is how do you overcome your fear of communication but if you do that for five minutes a day for a year you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry and you'll be bulletproof so that's number two do that great interesting interesting so I want to shift this to a a, a
0: different model, and I'm looking at voice tone. A lot of people feel intimidated by their own voice tone, Brendan. They think it's too shrilly, it's too bassy, Uh, I I sung nasal, that kind of stuff. What do you say to people with these kind of challenges where there's no confidence In their voice tone at all what do you tell them
1: for sure so i always like to say start with andy your voice never sounds never not often it never sounds as bad as you think it does to other people so like let's say when you're listening to yourself andy you might think oh my god my voice is so bad i'm making all these mistakes but from my perspective like no you got a great voice pretty well done i like the way that it tones So it's the same thing with me. When I started my career, I always thought my voice sucked. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my voice is this or that. We're always really hard on ourselves. Whereas the people around us, they go, what are you talking about, Brendan? Your voice sounds amazing. So what's the lesson here? And this is also true since we're on this topic with accents. Brendan, how do I get rid of my Indian accent? How do I get rid of my Chinese accent? How do I get rid of this? And the answer is always, everything is just a mindset. Uh There's somebody out there, Andy, who has the same accent as us, who's getting paid $10,000 to give a speech or more. So Sundar Pichai, he makes hundreds of millions of dollars, right? He's the guy who runs Google, right? The guy who runs Alphabet. Sundar Pichai is one, the the guy who runs Microsoft, Satya Nadella, very thick Indian accent. People don't care. And he gets paid millions of dollars. Jack Ma from Alibaba for, for the Chinese community. Yeah really thick. Nelson Mandela had a very thick African accent when he was speaking. Nobody cared, because he's the president of the of the country, right? Or the Prime Minister of the country. But that's the point I want to drive is realize that your audience won't care, as long as you don't care. Okay.
0: Yeah, great. So, Brendan, I just want to share something with you now. Uh, have a look, and give me a feedback. Tell me where it's coming from, and what is the main detail aspect of the message that you want people to really get. So, stand by for us. I fundamentally
2: believe in the idea that group presentations operate in the same as solo presentations, in the sense that it is always your responsibility to make sure the group is successful. And one of the ways you can master group presentations is what I like to call understand strengths and understand weaknesses as well to win. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. I know that. I'm smart, but the people that I team up with in presentations are always smarter than me in specific areas of expertise where I'm not. But the thing I am always dangerous at is knowing how to sell anything to anyone. So generally how these group presentations work is they come up with the solution and I tell them how to pitch it to the board. In that way, I need you to understand that the best presentations are those that leverages everyone's strengths.
0: Excellent. I give you 8.5 on the Richter scale for that, bread. But where is it coming from? Uh, who is the, the, the group or the person that you are specifically speaking to? And what is the main lesson there that they can learn from what
1: you just said? Absolutely, Andy. First of all, you've clearly done your homework on me. That's a very old video. It's <laughs> like probably two or three years old. So I'm surprised you even found that, first of all. So kudos to you. The yeah. second piece that actually doesn't really touch on your question, but it's me giving feedback to myself. That was a perfect example of how my voice sounded really bad back in the day. Like when I'm speaking, you can tell I sound really mad for some reason. Like, hey, you gotta understand the strings. Like why am I this mad? Like it doesn't make any sense. So even back then, and I'm glad you showed that, I have to show that to my clients actually. So that's the lesson I got from you today is my voice did not sound like honey a few years ago. It sounded like I was really pissed off for some reason, even if I wasn't. And I was just trying to teach something. And then the third piece, which really dives directly into your question is what's the lesson there. The lesson that I want people to get from, from group presentations is that you're only as strong as your weakest link. So that's what you want to leverage the strengths and weaknesses. So the example I gave there, which is a bit too specific, so I got better over time, was when I learned how to speak in case competitions. So in that specific competition, we were up against the best schools in the world. Mm -hmm. So it was really important to leverage everyone's strengths. And what I said in that video is still very true. I was never the smartest guy on any of my teams. Everyone around me was really smart. Like they knew how to put the numbers together. They knew how to give the specific language, but what I knew how to do was sell, right? So that's what I really brought to the team and that's what you want to do in group presentations. You want to take what everyone is good at. And not what everyone is bad at. Focus on strengths so that everyone wins together. That's how I won all of those competitions with my friends.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. Uh, Do you do a weekly Q&A through uh, the process of using Zoom as well? And and what's, what's the purpose behind that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I do something similar to Q&A. So every two weeks, I do a live workshop over Zoom that's absolutely free, and I do this for the community. So sometimes there's 85 people on this call, sometimes there's 25 people, and the goal is really just to serve people, and it's absolutely free. So if you want to register for that, everyone's invited, there's no specific criteria, you can go to rockstarcommunicator.com and just sign up for the next one. Okay, great,
0: wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. When you look at what is happening in the world, and and I see that in in your information here, you speak about these trying times where people have so many challenges. We are still basically in a post COVID era, even though some countries are probably more advanced than others, God bless them. But at the end of the day, there are so many challenges that people still face what do you say to those who are willing to take the next step, Brendan? But they lack the courage. There's doubt. There's uncertainty. The economy doesn't look too good. And there's still war and rumors of war like everywhere. People are still crazy, shooting up the place, chemicals in the river. I mean, you know, you turn on the media and you just want to s- switch it off because nothing positive seems to be coming. They need to hear a still voice, a voice that says, hey, folks, those things happen. We have no control over it. But at the end of the day, you can make a choice. How do you guide them to have that kind of positive mindset, despite all that is happening around them, I should say around us in this world today? How, how do you get them to a place to
1: you know see the light? I'm not sure you're going to like my answer, Andy, but the one that I'll I'll give you is realize that we're all going to die. You know, the only thing that's real about life is you only have a very small amount of it. We all got really lucky right the chances of us being alive regardless of where you live by the way whether you live in a first world country like me and you're really lucky like you're really really lucky or you live in the poorest country on earth and i have all the empathy in the world but even if you're the poorest person in the world you are still one in a billion yeah one in a billion probably even more the chance of you even being alive and the other part that is true is that you don't have a long time to live this unique life that you've been given for some random reason. So the third piece to this is a question I always get people to think about, to challenge people. Mm-hmm. Who suffers from your inability to take action every single day? Ah. Who suffers from your inability to take action every single day? I had every excuse not to start Master Talk, Andy. I was a kid when I started Master. I was 22 years old. I started coaching when I was 19. And today my clients are 20 to 30 years older than me why in the world did I think I could be somebody in this space yeah. that I could share ideas? And the answer is really simple. I didn't start Master Talk for my amazing clients. I didn't even know people would pay me to do this. I started Master Talk, and I mean this for the seven-year-old girl who cannot afford a communication coach. If you're a seven-year-old girl in Cambodia, what do you do to work on your communication skills? Yeah. Do you, what are you going to do? Listen to a 55-year-old PhD white dude on YouTube? You're not going to relate to that person. So I realized in my life, Andy, I had two options. And this has nothing to do with the news and everything that's happening in the world. Just these two options. Because okay. we can only control what we can control. Make the videos for the little girl. Right. Or nobody does. Okay. And at that point, the solution of what to do was very obvious to me. And it's just most people, we don't ask ourselves that question. We worry about what everything happens in our life, but we don't realize that there's only one enemy in the world. And it's not our mom. It's not our dad. It's not the guy who cuts us off in traffic. It's time. And time is always ticking on all of us.
0: Yeah. Wow. I'm giving you a round of applause. (laughs) I love that answer, Brendan. You are being real. You keep it real. And and that's the thing that I like about this kind of reactionary uh, period on, on, on my podcast. I love when folks come here and they tell it just like it is. What you say and what you feel, just lay it out there. Because listen, at the end of the day, there's just over 8 billion people on this planet. And you being here means that there's a purpose and a destiny for your life. Just find it, man, and stop blaming this one and blaming that one. And hey, you know, Michael Jackson said, Look at the man in the mirror. Do that. <laughs> Search your soul. Search your soul because Jaren lies the answers. I love it. I love it, Brendan. So tell us what does the future look like for you and for Master Talk? Are there any other major projects coming on? Anything more for your client to look forward to?
1: For sure, Andy. You know, for me, I'm I'm really boring. I do the same thing every day. So for me, the mission of what I want my life to look like at the end, sure, I'll serve some amazing people, and I'll coach them on all that stuff. But my bigger mission is to make sure that when I leave Earth, Mm -hmm. people have access to my communication knowledge for life. And the problem is before I existed, or the people who are coming up in the industry now, Dale Carnegie was pretty much the only solution that people had Get really good at communication. So, we'd all read How to Win Friends and Influence People and try and get better at speaking. But the problem is, that wasn't the best time for Dale to teach that knowledge because we don't get to hear his voice. We don't get to hear him be on a podcast. We don't get to hear him be on a YouTube channel because that technology didn't exist back then. So, I get an opportunity to finish what Dale Carnegie started. And I think that's really exciting. And that will probably be the focus of the rest of my life.
0: Fantastic. So, Brendan, here's another thing for you to look at and give me your feedback on this as well.
2: How do you present on a bad day? You got a couple of hours of sleep last night. You're not feeling like getting out of bed. And worse, you have to present to an audience today. You still need to show up, anyways. So, how do you present on a bad day? My advice is simple here. Take responsibility for your audience to show up and let your passion handle the rest. Whenever I present, the same feeling happens over and over and over again. It's, I really don't want to be there. And the second I walk into that room and I see my audience, even just one or two people, they're excited to see me and excited to see how I'm going to present and what I'm going to say, I immediately light up as long as you show up, your passion for what you believe in will do the
0: rest for you. Awesome. Absolutely awesome.
1: Just extend on that a bit because I think a lot of folks need to hear that. Absolutely, Andy. You know, really what you're touching upon is the idea of what happens when we present at a bad day? because we're not going to want to show up every single day i'll give an example yesterday i had to film 10 youtube videos and i didn't want to do it yeah yeah. because i was so tired from a workshop i had on monday i was presenting to a big company for like three four hours i was on and i was putting in all the energy so i had to film the next day so i was like oh my god this sucks and i still did it with a smile on my face why is that because i realized at the beginning that people want to hear from me. If I don't make these videos, my YouTube channel will stop. There won't be any more content for people to consume. So I really reconnected with why am I in this room? The other piece that I want to challenge people to think about is people prefer having you in the room in any state that you're in. And the reason is because they all got up in the morning to be there. The worst thing that you could do is not be there at all. Because they'll just sit there and go like, oh, like, what do we do now? Yeah. Right? And, and that's the mindset I bring. People are better off having me at 50% than not having me at all. So I should still show up. And the people that are successful show up regardless of the circumstances that the world offers them. Even today, I was blowing my nose during this interview, right? A little bit, right? But, it, but nobody cares. People barely even notice that because they focus on how I decide to show up. The last part I'll say on this, Andy is going back to the man in the mirror, I'll give you a fun story, which is the mirror we look at in the morning. We get to choose how we show up in that mirror. Because some of us will look in that mirror in the bathroom and we'll say, oh my God, this day is fantastic. I get to talk to Andy, I get to talk to Mr. Andy Charles, it's probably Ray Charles's brother or something. Like this is the guy I get to talk to. Life is amazing. Or, yeah, you can say, oh my God, I have to listen to Brendan today and Andy, and that way to show up is a choice. Yes. So the question for all of your audience is which emotions will you choose? Yeah.
0: Yeah. How, how do you want to show up today? It's your choice. It's, it's entirely up to you. I agree, Brendan. Excellent. So I'm looking at another aspect of uh, uh, public speaking per se, and it is regards to research, you know, folks come to me and say, Andy, I don't know how you do it, but um, I can't seem to find the time to do the research, to check the information, fact-checking, that kind of stuff, just to make sure that what you put out there, if people go looking, they can say, yeah, this guy knew what he was talking about, or she knew what she was talking about. What are some of the guidelines, Brendan, that you would give to people to get their research right so that they're confident that the information they're putting out there is verifiable in their
1: uh, in their speech for sure Andy. so my advice will apply to most people which is how i do research is i barely do research oh. instead what i do is i repl- unless i need to i replace a lot of my ideas and statistics i don't use a lot of stats in my talks on anecdotal and practical experience oh. so i like personal stories there's you don't need a research pra- personal stories it's your own story and the other piece is anecdotes on something that happened from a client. Those are the stories that I like to personalize and prioritize. So for you who's listening, if you're doing research and you're not sure if the statistic is true or not, just don't use it. It's kind of like a dance routine. Like when you're sitting down, let's say you're going to a dance routine together, people are doing a dancing, like something like that, like a show. If they make a mistake, will we know?
2: Yeah. We wouldn't. So
1: we won't. Yeah. We won't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now now the question is, why won't we? Because we don't know the routine. That's right. We don't know the choreography. I could make 10 mistakes in this podcast. Nobody will know because nobody's a communication expert listening to this. Right? Not to say that it gives me permission to make that many mistakes. But the point I want to drive is because we get to choose how we, at the dance, we get to choose our own choreography. It's the same thing with speeches. If we're uncomfortable with a statistic or a dance move or something that we're like, I'm not sure if this is going to land. If we're not sure, just remove it. Replace it with something else. Like everything I share on a podcast, most of the time, probably 90% of the time, I know it works. So that's why I share it. So that's really the key. Yeah,
0: great. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. So what are some of the things that people say to you with regards to Let's say, for example, and I I know this may be an extreme, but let's say, for example, you're speaking to a community that is physically challenged. People are out of hearing. Some are partially blind or legally blind, but they are in a position where they are not physically able to move around like everybody else, and you really want to connect with them. Maybe it's a school, maybe it's an institution, a home where these people are housed and and they're taken care of. What are some of the key pointers that you could use to ensure that they don't feel as if you're speaking down to them and there's a separation between you and them because of their physical challenges, but you can really connect with them using some basic techniques or introductions or, like you said, anecdotes as the case might be.
1: Absolutely, Andy. So there's two ways of answering that question. The first way is if the person with the disability is the person presenting, and the other way of answering it is if that person is in the audience. So let's, let's tackle both because I don't often talk a lot about this. So from the speaker's perspective, let me start from a place of empathy. I have a physical disability. I have a crooked left arm. A lot of people know this because I hide it really well whenever I get, when I shoot videos, but yeah, it's there. So what's the advice? Unless you, you have hearing loss, but if you're like blind or you have a physical disability, the advice is as long as you don't care about it, your audience doesn't care about it. So if I go into an audience and I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, Andy, that you have to keep looking at my crooked arm and I feel really bad and I'm doing this with my hands, and you're going to feel really bad for me. But if I go into a presentation and I put a picture on the screen, it's like, yeah, this was me as a kid. And despite all of the challenges in my life, I became a speaker like this. What's your excuse? Yeah. If I speak that way, people are like, "Okay, like he's <laughs> he's ready." Right. Don't pay attention. To it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the speaker's perspective: is just focus on delivering a great presentation. If they're in the audience, there are some exceptions, Andy. Like for example, if I'm just talking to an audience that's blind, I won't talk about eye contact. Right? That's insulting. Yeah, right? that doesn't make sense. It doesn't apply to them right but i mean it still applies to them where you still have to move your your eyes but it it might feel a little bit more offensive so i think the real advice that matters is is just treat them like everyone else okay like being someone with a disability like i don't want people to talk to me differently i actually want people to talk to me as if they're talking to somebody else and i feel that's more empowering so when i'm talking to people with disabilities i don't go like oh you're in trouble or you have to do this little extra i go i don't care about your disability you're just as smart you're just as capable as everybody else you're going to do the same exercise as everybody else i'm going to treat you like everybody else and people actually appreciate that a lot more i found but there's some exceptions obviously but i think that's the right rule for most people
0: yeah sounds good brendan thanks for sharing Uh, Do you have a particular style of speaking that is your preferred style? And if so, was it by following someone, a mentor, maybe Nelson Mandela, um, Mahatma Gandhi, Barack Obama, um, Martin Luther King Jr. I don't know. Uh, Les Brown, Lisa Nichols, Tony Robbins. And I could go on and on and on, but... Where does your inspiration for your preferred
1: style of speaking comes from? Absolutely. it's a fantastic question. So let me start with this. There is no right answer to style. Okay. So I've seen the speakers – I mean, just to give you an example with YouTubers, I know YouTubers who have way more subscribers than me who are super introverted. Like Rob, Roberto Blake is a great example of this. Lana Blakely is a great example of this. These people are very soft when they talk in a video, but they got millions of subscribers, and I barely even have like the subscribers I have. So so there's no right style. Okay. The second thing I'll say – there's three things. The second thing I'll say, Andy is style comes with time mm-hmm. as you do more quantity. So we, we actually did this. My videos used to suck. I mean, you showed two great examples of that where I'm kind of going up and down and I'm being really angry and I'm being a little crazy. Obviously now I'm more calm than I used to. So over time, your style just improves. If people go back to my first video, it's terrible. I'm like you know my mother's couch. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's still there so people can watch it. That's the second piece. Don't worry about style until you've done a lot of quantity Mm -hmm. because it's something you'll discover over time. The last piece, which comes to your question around inspiration and the people around you, my advice, because I've learned from hundreds of speakers, I've probably seen like hundreds of talks at this point, if not thousands, I'm just going to say hundreds to be safe, is the trick to style is you pick a little bit from everybody. Mm -hmm. So when you get a little bit more advanced, like let's say at the level I'm at, I'll say something like, I want Gary Vee's ability to be relatable to everyone. Gary Vee's so good at relating to a six-year-old and a 60-year-old and both of those people like him. Really unique skill. Or Seth Godin's ability to give a presentation without ever looking at his slides. That's next level. I was like, wow, how do you do that? Or Scott Harrison, the CEO of Charity Water's ability to tell really amazing stories to inspire you to take action. Les Brown, the list goes on. is to take something a little bit from everybody that you like, and that's how you develop unique style.
0: You know what? You and I are on the same page. <laughs> that's me. This is what I did. I looked at probably hundreds of videos. A guy by the name of Sproul, I looked at Gandhi, I looked at Mandela. Martin Luther King Jr., Lisa Nichols, Les Brown, Tony Robbins, uh, Dean Grazioso, uh, Brandon, Richard uh, you you name it. And I said to myself, you know what? The best thing for me to do is to really find my center, myself, my true self. Because whenever I open my mouth to speak, I don't want to come across as I'm acting. I'm trying to, but I just want to be me. But those people are successful as they are because of something. If I could take a little piece out of everybody and then add it to what I have, let's see what's going to happen. So I love that, Brendan. Uh, It's very encouraging. (laughs) So we have come to the end of uh, our episode. Hey, we just got one minute. So I'm just going to check to see if there are any comments or questions, but in the meantime, I want you to just tell people how they can make contact with you, uh, how they can hook up with you. If they need your advice, your, your professionalism with regards to master they want to do some speeches, they want to be a better improved uh, public speaking individual, how they can make
1: contact with you absolutely and it's such a pleasure to be on the show by the way thanks for having me so two ways of keeping in touch the first one is the youtube channel just go ahead and type master talk in one word and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively the second way to keep in touch for those who are interested in seeing me live I do a free communication workshop over Zoom, so it's online for free every two weeks. And this is me doing the call. It's a lot of fun, it's interactive. Sometimes there's 50 people on the call, 80 people on the call. So if you wanna jump to the next one, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com and just register for the next workshop.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing, Brendan. So we have been in the presence of Brendan Kumarasari, uh, founder of Master Talk on YouTube. Check out his channel and see what's happening. Hook up for the twice-weekly uh, Q&A that he does and just get inspired and uplifted, motivated. Maybe you can reach a point where you can help people to transform their lives by being, you know, a better, more accomplished public speaker. So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, The Breakout Room and Andy's Personal Development. This is Andy together with Brendan saying so long, namaste, Godspeed. Until next time, bye for now. Take care.